From WNYC, this is The Sporkful. Burritos. As a native of San Francisco's Mission District, the home of the burrito, it is a food that has emotional resonance for me much greater than any other food. You know, it's sort of like the equivalent of mom's pot roast for me. That's Bullseye host Jesse Thorne. He loves burritos. I grew up in Los Angeles, so my experience was formed by my Chicano friends whose mothers would make them burritos when we would come home from school. That's good food host Evan Kleiman. She also loves burritos, but the L.A. burritos she loves and the San Fran ones Jesse loves are really different. The classic San Francisco burrito is, I'm going to say, nine inches long. Um, and pretty thick. I mean, the thickness of the top of a drinking glass, at least. It, it, it involves rice, which Southern California people don't care for. You get some avocado, you get some sour cream, you get some rice, you get some beans, you get some meat, you get some salsa. A beautiful flour tortilla. Some great beans would be applied down the center. Finely chopped onions and a very finely chopped chili, and then it was wrapped up and handed to me. So there was no rice, no guacamole, no sour cream. I never had a burrito like that until I went to San Francisco. I don't know, it was like like four inches in diameter. And then I bit into it and there was all this stuff getting in the way between me and the beans. I just thought it was the weirdest thing ever. There is a thing called a burrito in Southern California, but I don't even count it. You might as well say that Philly cheesesteaks are a New York food. Oh, snap. There's only one way to settle this. I gotta go to L.A. and San Francisco and eat burritos like it's my job. Because it is. So, today on The Sporkful, that's what I'll do. Plus, when a burrito's fillings aren't spread evenly throughout, is that the fault of the burrito or the burrito maker? Jesse and I debate. And Evan and I throw down over whether a burrito is a type of wrap. Then later in the show, Vox's Matt Iglesias explains why a Chipotle burrito is like an iPhone. Stick around. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Last fall, Nate Silver's site 538 did a burrito bracket to pick the best burrito in the U.S. And I want you to know, both the places I'm going to visit in California in this show made it to the final four. So let's begin where I began, L.A. Evan recommended Al and B's, a burrito joint in Boyle Heights that's been there since 1966. It's now run by Al III, the founder's grandson. But it hasn't changed much. They got picnic tables set up in a little outdoor courtyard. While I was there, a street musician came by and I talked to some regulars. My name is Luis Abeta. Have you been coming to this place for a long time? They have been here since in the 60s, and I've been eating here since the 60s. And um, what makes it better than other burritos? It's a combination of the sauce that they use, the meat, that's, uh, and the uh, beans, of course. Not lardless. <laughs> <laughs> So give me some help here, Luis. So a burrito place, I, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's not a very good one, but open near me in the New York, outside New York City on Long Island, not known as the burrito capital of America. <laughs> and they're advertising on the window, no lard. And I'm like, that's not something to brag. Nothing at all. 
Don't brag about that. No. Because Mexican people are used to cook with lard. It's got to be lard. Luis, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a bit of a rivalry between Los Angeles and San Francisco burritos. Have you heard about this? Don't go to San Francisco. <laughs> I've been coming here since I was five years old. I'll be 50 next year. And she's my daughter. She's been coming here since 1987. Wow. Is that when you were born? Yes. And is this your son? Yes. So this is three generations here at Allen B's, right? And um, what's your go-to burrito? The bean and cheese with the red sauce. Your son is here. He's eating a hot dog. Um, does it concern you that, that he's not eating a burrito? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> he's only two, so. All right, so I would like one combination burrito, please. That's the, the shredded beef, right? Shredded beef, beans, cheese, and green chili, our most popular burrito. And I'm also going to have one chicharron burrito because, I mean, how, when's the next time I'm going to be back here? Let's go crazy. There you go. Very good. Very good choices. Wow. The beans, holy cow. They're so rich and smoky, garlicky, creamy. They're like liquid gold of beans. Oh, man, those refried beans. They cook them for 16 hours, and yes, they cook them with lard, like God intended. Bottom line, those were the best refried beans I've ever had in my life. Next stop, San Francisco. Before we get to the Bay Area, there's one big burrito issue we need to discuss. It's especially relevant to the San Francisco-style burrito. That's the bigger one that inspired most of the burritos you find around the U.S. today. This issue came up when I was talking to Jesse Thorne. There's, this, there's a complicated system of layering of the ingredients that's very important because otherwise you don't get an equal distribution. Um, uh, they, what they do if they're doing it right is they put the tortilla flat and then they move left to right with with layers of the stuff so that once it is wrapped up, if you're eating from the end, you're getting a little bit of each layer. Does that make sense? Yes, Jesse. I think that makes sense in theory. I just think that in practice, what usually happens is the burrito roller builds this big pile of stuff, puts the tortilla over the top, and then tucks with their fingertips. And somehow in that process, they shift the fillings and those nice neat layers end up in these different pockets of emphasis. You get a big hunk of cheese over here and a big hunk of beans over there and it becomes really hard to get a bite with a little bit of everything. Wouldn't it be a lot better if you took all those fillings and mixed them together in a bowl and then wrapped the fillings in a flour tortilla? Wouldn't that ensure that you get a little bit of everything in each bite? Let me ask you this question. Do you like apple pie? Yes. Would it be better if we just took a fork and just squished all the stuff in the apple pie and then mixed it up in a circle 
so that it's perfectly distributed. <laughs> okay. It'd be easier to chew. I think that if you're going to a real good taqueria that knows how to make a burrito, one of the distinguishing characteristics is to be able to take a bite and you get some, you get some avocado, you get some sour cream, you get some rice, you get some beans, you get some meat, you get some salsa. I arrived at La Taqueria in the heart of San Francisco's Mission District, where they also had a musician playing. It's a bigger operation than Al and B's. They have two burrito rollers working side by side all day long, and the line never quits. The pork, is it carnitas? Yes, carnitas. Okay, so I would like one carnitas. Taco burrito. Burrito. Jesse's comments about filling distribution were fresh on my mind. So while I waited for my food, I talked to Miguel, one of the burrito makers. Um, how long have you been doing this? Uh, about 30 years. 30 years rolling burritos and tortillas? Yes. When you sleep, do you dream about burritos? Oh, yeah, man. I dream every night. I can't sleep because it's too much people. Um, do you know how many burritos do you make in one day? Well, like um, 700. So you've made like, hang on, i got to get my calculator. All right, you, how many days a week do you work? Five days a five, Five days a week, okay, so. Miguel, you've made more than five million burritos. Damn, I didn't even know that, but uh, <laughs> now I know. You should go have a party or something. Definitely, yeah. Watching Miguel make burritos is amazing. It's like flick of the wrist, perfect distribution of salsa. Swipe of a spatula, perfect distribution of guacamole. You know, it reminded me of Patsy Grimaldi, the 80-something-year-old New York pizza legend I had on the Spork for a while back. He flicks his wrist and it's like flour goes up in the air, like pixie dust, and settles perfectly distributed on the pizza dough. It's just an amazing thing to see, like the muscle memory in action, and it looks effortless. But in reality, it's the kind of thing you can only do effortlessly when you've done it five million times. Anyway, watching Miguel work, I was ready to eat. Oh, man. This is the best burrito I've ever had in my life. The ingredients, the flavor, the meat is so soft and tender. The guacamole is fantastic. The beans, oh my God, it's just everything. And arrayed throughout the burrito so every bite gets you just about everything you want. No pockets of emphasis, no big giant ball of cheese and big giant ball of guacamole. Oh man, I'm gonna come back here tomorrow. In the end, I made three trips to La Taqueria in three days. You know, for research. My personal favorite was when I ordered half carnitas, half tongue. That made it sort of salty and a little bit crispy from the carnitas, but also fatty and just ridiculously soft and tender from the tongue. Oh, man. I gotta go back there. Anyway, I gotta say, for me, on most days, 
I personally would prefer the San Francisco style. I like the combination of all the flavors, but the refried beans from Allen B's, those things like haunt me in my dreams. And really, I don't think that one is objectively better than the other. Like they're just so different. I mean, I can't imagine either one satisfying me when I was craving the other. Coming up, Evan Kleiman does not like it one bit when I tell her I think a burrito is a type of wrap. I really thought you you veered slightly too close to the insane when you asserted that. And I'll take some WNYC podcaster friends out for burritos. I'll ask Death, Sex, and Money's Anna Sale a question that makes her say, Holy <laughs> That's coming up. Stick around. Pues huele a pulque porque todo un mel usaste, emborrachándote y por eso te escurrí. Welcome back to The Sporkful from WNYC. I'm Dan Pashman. Quick note of self-promotion, if I may, friends. Mother's Day and Father's Day are coming up. And if you need a gift for someone who loves to eat, I hope you'll consider my book. It's called Eat More Better, How to Make Every Bite More Delicious. Available now wherever books are sold. Thanks. Coming up in a minute, Vox's Matt Iglesias explains why the Chipotle burrito is like an iPhone. But first, as you know, I like to debate issues of language. When I met up with Evan Kleiman in L.A., she took issue with one section in my book where I say that burritos are wraps. Yes, and I, I really thought you you veered slightly too close to the insane when you <laughs> asserted that. Why? Why do you disagree? Well, to me, when I think of a wrap, I think of something that is kind of, I, I always think of it that it's going to be an insipid version of a filling they could, uh, that I could have on a regular sandwich in really great bread. And I've never understood why that would be appealing to anyone. Is it possible that your disdain for sandwich wraps is is ma- and your love for burritos is creating this sort of false association where you're like, I don't want burritos in the same category? I mean, isn't a wrap just a delivery system? No, because wraps are something that just came into be through marketing. I remember a time when there was no such thing as a wrap. You, of course, are quite young, so you probably do not remember such a time. But I do remember, and I think wraps only really came into being in the 80s. How could something that came to be in the 80s be actually considered having any merit to it? But I think what came to be in the 80s was really just a term and and an American co-option of what has been a long-standing way to deliver food, which is to wrap it in some kind of a flat flour tortilla, whether it's a burrito or whether you're talking about Peking duck or mushu pork. There are a lot of different ethnic cuisines all over the world that involve something like uh, a wrap. This is true. So I think this it's, is true, it's always but- been there. You are conflating two issues. Your your Wrap is the American English word that we have, as I see it, for any food that is wrapped inside a single, usually doughy, structure. Whether it's a burrito or you wrap up some Peking duck, it's a wrap. Um, I, I want you to go tell that to some Chinese people. <laughs> tell them that they're mushu, they're revered mushu with that sort of gossamer thin 
pancake made with lard is a wrap. So you have this gossamer-thin pancake. What word would you use to describe the action you now take to fold over, to put the whole thing together before you eat it? I would call it nestling. (laughs) But what do you do with the pancake itself? Um, Embrace. (laughs) Well, after this interview, Evan, I'm going to give you a big old wrap. Let's go have a great tuna wrap. (laughs) I thought you were going to say a tuna embrace. (laughs) Evan Kleiman hosts Good Food. It's a radio show and podcast out of KCRW in L.A. And when we had that debate on Good Food, she put the question up on our Facebook page, and she asked her listeners to take a side. Well, big shocker, most of them took her side. So now I'm going to do the same thing. Head over to Facebook.com slash Sporkful and tell me and Evan whether you think a burrito is a wrap. So far, we spent this show talking about some of the best burritos in the world. But I know that a lot of you don't have access to those burritos. Most of the time, neither do I. Which brings us to Chipotle. Vox's Matt Iglesias is a big fan. He wrote a piece for Slate in which he argued that Chipotle is innovating in the restaurant world the way Apple has in the tech world. You know, people tend to think of of technology and innovation pretty exclusively in terms of gadgets, uh, but you have innovators in other fields, including in food. And Chipotle, I think, is a is a real example of that. I mean, they use sort of interesting new technology in terms of how they're actually making their carnitas. They've um, innovate in terms of just how does a fast food restaurant look and how does it operate. And you're starting to see they have more and more influence on the industry that Taco Bell has tried to move to a sort of Chipotle competing uh, paradigm that you see more and more chains using that assembly line style creation of the food. And that, you know, just like in the high tech world, in the food world, in the burrito world, you know, we see real innovation and change and dynamism. You got a lot of backlash to that column for your hailing Chipotle. You especially got backlash from people who are loyal to Bay Area burritos. Well, you know, the the center of the sort of technology press in the United States is in the Bay Area, which is also the traditional center of, of the burrito industry. And so it was a, you know, sort of unfortunate confluence, people with strong feelings about technology and people with strong feelings about burritos, uh, you know, really <laughs> let me have it. And and uh, so I, I was recently out in San Francisco and, and was able to sit down with a, a couple wired writers who'd been on my case and uh, go to go to their favorite place in the Mission District there and, and try out, um, you know, grassroots, authentic mission burrito. You went to La Taqueria. I'm curious what your thoughts were on the experience. It's a mom and pop kind of thing. It's very different from a chain experience. It's it's homier, but you can also tell it's a it's a less efficient operation. You know, they have sort of where the door is situated versus where the line is versus where the menu is is all a little bit kind of haphazard, uh, which is part of the appeal. It's part of the charm of, of a traditional establishment. Uh, but also, uh, you know, as a business writer, I, I do always sort of admire the efficiencies that the chains bring to things. Right. Well, what are some of the things that a place like Chipotle does with the the situ- in situating the door and the line and things that I'm, we might not notice but that make it run more efficiently. Well, you know, they're very careful to make it so that if you go in the door, where you stand is sort of right where the line is going to be forming. At least they try. And so that while you're standing on line, the menu is very visible because the idea is they want people to come up to the front and know exactly what they want to order. Uh, where I was at La Taqueria, I was kind of standing in line, which forms at the opposite side of the restaurant from the door. You're facing then away from the menu. So it takes until you get quite close, until you can really see what's on there, what the price options are. Okay, but logistics aside, which burrito would you rather eat? 
Well, you know, I did appreciate that at La Taqueria, they made a more, it's a more mixed up burrito. Um, you know, Chipotle tends to give you sort of layered ingredients, which again is faster. Um, it's it's easier for them to put it together that way. But I think it tastes better with the, the things jumbled up. Now, my wife, I know, is a, she's a very sort of particular person. And so she actually sort of takes the burrito, stands it up. She gets her spoon, a small spoon. And as she eats, she constantly mixes and remixes so that each bite can have exactly the ratio that she prefers. I don't really have that level of fastidiousness in me. I do the exact same thing she does. I sit there with my fork and I, and I, I look at the opening and I see what ratios I have in this bite. And I, I will, on a bite by bite basis, I will manage the ratios move things around to try to get equal proportions in every bite. See, I feel like half the reason you're going someplace, though, I want the other people to, you know, make my food for me and, and to make it well. And that was definitely something I appreciated about La Taqueria is that I didn't need to do any reassembly of the food. That's Matt Iglesias. He's the executive editor at Vox. His piece for Slate is called Chipotle is Apple. Well, friends, we have one more stop on our burrito odyssey. There's a Chipotle down the street from WNYC, so I decided to invite some of my fellow podcasters out for lunch. I brought Manoush Samarodi from New Tech City and Anna Sale from Death, Sex, and Money. The worst is when your tortilla tears at Chipotle, and then the server looks at you and goes, huh? As if, like, is this okay? Right. Oh, my like, God. No, it's not no, okay. no, like, the whole point... The whole point of what we're doing here is to encase the food in a single structure. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm going for it. All right. I'm ready to order. Uh, I'd like a... uh, Can I get half chicken, half carnitas? White rice. Pinto beans. Half chicken, half carnitas. Just a little bit of rice, please. Just a little. That was a lot. Um, Half chicken, half carnitas. Someone give me a hand here so I can hold the mics. Got it? I have to say that um, that was a little stressful. Manoush, was that stressful to you? Yes, extremely stressful. I need to leave. I try not to. I, like, I'm overwhelmed. There was loud music, lots of people yelling at me what kind of rice I wanted. I need to go and sit quietly and eat. Yeah, getting through that line is very stressful, and, and I feel like they're rushing you. And I also felt like I told the woman just a little rice, and she yeah. just wasn't listening, she wasn't and she listening. gave me a lot of rice. Totally. <laughs> so Chipotle was fast, but we left frazzled. And when we got back to the office, we realized the burritos weren't labeled clearly. All right, this one says C A. Is this mine? Is this oh, the chicken and carnitas together? I think that's just carnitas, maybe. So I think we may just have to start biting into some of these and see what happens. Is anyone sick? Producer Alex Goldmark's burrito was so huge, it came undone almost immediately. I wonder, like, what responsibility does Alex have for the fact that his burrito is so stuffed and that I it fell apart? Look at him. His techniques off. He unwrap the whole thing. You can't do that. You have to leave it in the wrapper, man. It's not it's not it's not my wrapping technique. It was my ordering technique that made me go wrong. What do you mean? Like I, look, I, they took the foil I, off. I heard that we had a, a free burrito and I was like, I want to try everything. So, so you're the greedy. guacamole on there, which I don't usually do cuz I'm not going to pay the extra and I got greedy. So it got too overstuffed. You no, no, unwrapped no. the foil. From the first moment I held it, it it lacked the architectural stability of a normal Chipotle burrito. But the foil is the corset. You think the it's the corset that holds the burrito together. Place. I think that Joanna's right that, that you use the foil to help hold the burrito I together. Think the eating there is 
in the fine. foil, except for Alex. Except for oh, you, Alex. Don't call me a <laughs> burrito, I guess. I just want to fit in. Oh my God, Anna, you are really you're you're the pace setter over there. Yeah, Very impressive. <laughs> so Anna, I want to ask you briefly about death, sex, and money. Uh huh. Which I mean, I'm sure people know is a show where you sort of ask uncomfortable questions, questions right. on topics that people are sometimes reluctant to answer. Now, in one of your very early episodes, you talked about uh, you and Arthur. You guys split oh. up, and then you got back together, uh-huh. and then there were some wedding bells. There are some wedding, there are wedding bells, bells in my future. Congratulations. Arthur also loves burritos. <laughs> it's all fits it's together. <laughs> so I got to ask you, Anna, when can we expect uh, a little burrito in the oven? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> First of all, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a burrito not... in an oven is gross. That's as a metaphor for a child. <laughs> in fairness, you did say on your own podcast that part of the reason why there was urgency in your relationship with Arthur was that you wanted to start a family. That's true. So it's all—it's out as of a woman it's in my mid-thirties. It's true. I didn't call it a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> so first, it's going to be the wedding, then the burrito. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, that's a burrito, by which I mean that's a wrap. Sorry, I couldn't resist. If you want to see a video of Miguel's amazing, ridiculous burrito-making skills at La Taqueria, go to Sporkful.com. There's also photos from my adventures. Again, Sporkful.com. And remember to go to our Facebook page to weigh in on the question of whether a burrito is a type of wrap. That's Facebook.com slash Sporkful. Quick note that I am aware that there is such a thing as San Diego burritos that we did not cover in this show. My apologies to the people and the burritos of San Diego. We hope to cover your burritos in the future. Follow me on Twitter at The Sporkful. Please subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the podcast app or wherever you get it so you never miss an episode. This show is a production of WNYC and The Sporkful. It's produced by Ann Sani and me. Special thanks to Tom Molad. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. I'm Adam in L.A. I'm Jonathan in L.A. Reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more more better. better.